Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Desks and Dorks. It's your favorite game design and creation podcast. It's, as always, shaped by you. I am Kyle, the dork to Riley's desk, um, and today the desk is not joining me. He was recalled to the IKEA mothership for some sort of important business. I can only assume that at some point in the near future, uh, Earth will be overrun by a bunch of sentient shelves and that he will be a part of the invasion. But in the meantime, I am joined by Mr. Miles Myers, uh, game designer, co-owner of Let's Play Games and Hobbies, the man who has made the one math-based board game that I've actually liked in general, which is high praise because I do not like math-based board games. Miles, how you doing, man? Uh, pretty good. I, I don't believe I can represent a desk, but I, I can at least rise to the level of a futon, if you would like. You know, listen, a futon got me through most of college and most of grad school, so I feel like that's fair, if for nothing else. So I'm glad that you're able to join me on the show today, because today we have an interesting one. Uh, Miles is a big fan of doing his list games, and so I brought him on to do a list of our own this time. Uh, this is a list of games that we wanted to absolutely love, or even wanted to like, and then just found ourselves not being able to enjoy for whatever reason. Um, I'm going to make a lot of people angry, I think, with some of mine. Yeah, for my list isn't necessarily the worst games ever, the games I hate it the most. I mean, there's plenty of games I play, and they just fall flat, but I basically had no expectations. But then there's ones that I'm like, this is going to be amazing, and then you play it, and it falls apart. And it's just bad. And it's just, or just doesn't live up to those expectations. Um, honorable mentions. I know you have a couple honorable mentions that didn't make our top three a piece. Um, some honorable mentions for me that I just felt the need not to include. I did not put T-Dragon Society on this list because I feel like I talk about it all the time. Um, yeah, I just, I just really wanted to like that game and never did. Are, so. are you more of a coffee man? What is the hatred? I mean, it's an okay game. I don't see... There's no game there. Okay. There's no game. You could re, you could accurately recreate the experience of T-Dragon Society by getting a 52 deck of cards, splitting it into equal segments for players, and then just flipping the top card of the deck face up, and then occasionally flipping the top two cards of the deck face up. Well, it's that variation that really adds the flavor to it. You could do the same without... <laughs> I think it was more of um, that, like, the game just... It never tries anything. It was clear that they're just like, what if we just stapled a random design onto a property that already had an existing fan base mm -hmm. and put beautiful art on it because it will sell? Like, it felt like the most corporate, think-tanked, mm -hmm. cynical, like, how do I sell games when I know that I have crap kind of... Like, just thought, like, I could just feel, I don't know. It tried nothing, I don't know, and it just, it just, ah, I hate it. And it won an Origin Award, too, which frustrates the ever-loving <laughs> crap. Like, it just, ah, good God. Like, the Origin Awards used to be, like, the biggest, I don't know, like, signal for, like, games excellence, and then, t ah, I, just, I hate it. There's no way that Point Salad didn't win an Origin Award, and freaking what's-its-face, T-Dragon Society did. Like, I it do just does not happen. Over, over, uh... Salad, so. I mean, I do too, but not in terms of my games. So I guess you would not like the fact that I've recently backed a Kickstarter and spent $100 on stuffed plushies from T-Dragon Society for my girlfriend. See, I no, think. that makes sense. Like, mm. because T-Dragon Society is an existing graphic novel and I love it. Okay. Like, the, the property is great. The game itself. And, dude, if you're buying $100 and, honestly, I feel like I'd rather have people buy plushies of T-Dragon Society <laughs> than the T-Dragon Society card game. Well, I don't invest in gold. I invest in stuffed animals. This is this is the way it should go. It is. Uh, honorable mentions for you, though. And I know that there were a couple you said were floating around. Uh, yeah, the first one uh, I played with our um, our good friend Matt. And I, I 
Uh, I'm disappointed to say, but uh, Zaya Legends of a Drift System. Oh. It um, it's a big space adventure, and you get to go around and do whatever you want. You can go mine for stuff. You can go attack raiders and stuff. It sounded amazing. Yeah, that sounds incredible. But more or less, every system breaks down to a die roll. So if you're uh, rolling bad, you're not going to have a good time. It was we played for five hours, and the goal was to get 15 points. In five hours, I achieved two points. Yeah. Wasn't wasn't Eesh. what I was looking for. Yeesh. Uh, Twilight Imperium also on my list of honorable mentions. Uh, I left it off because we are actually going to be playing with Matt, uh, Twilight Imperium 4th Edition. Okay. And I played TI3 with six players Mm -hmm. as a first time playing, and they were all competitive tier, and I lasted for 13 hours, and I genuinely, I vividly remember that being one of the worst nights of my life, because I'm like, at any point, I wish that, I like, I genuinely hope that an asteroid plummets into this building and then just kills us all. Like, I just never... Like, it was the worst experience. That one I've never played, and it scares me, because I'm fine sitting down for an eight-hour game. I will try that once, but, like, some people love it, and some people hate it. And I'm just like, I don't know if I want to lock myself into a possible experience that bad. Yeah, I think that's where I'm at, too. So I'm very nervous, but I'm playing it with Riley, I'm playing it with Matt, I'm playing it with Jeremy, I'm playing it with people I like, Mm -hmm. so I'm hopeful that that translates to a really good experience, so I decided to leave it off my list at this time. But yeah, TI3 was like, oh god, I wanted to love it, because like, come on, Civilization Space Opera, but like, good god, I just... Good God. Oh, (laughs) good God. I have, like, PTSD flashbacks from that night. That was horrible. I just... Oh, God, it was so bad. I I guess that's when you just get into the role-playing of whatever your race is and just act like that the whole time. Okay. I did. I was was the turtle people, and Mm -hmm. so I decided I was going to be the Ninja Turtles. And so I built one of those War Suns, I think it's called, Mm -hmm. and I immediately took over the planet Garbosia because it was the closest thing to a sewer. Um, and I named my war son Master Splinter. And even if it was tactically not a sustainable decision to like bring the war son somewhere else, it stayed in Garbosia. And people were so mad at me, because like, oh my god, you could, you could do this, this, this. I'm like, no, no. It stays in the sewer. Master Splinter never leaves the sewer. Have you watched the Ninja Turtle? <laughs> they got so mad. I, I love when themes are so strong that you will take an action that is not the best one you can do yeah. just to match the theme in your head. That's probably a list we could do mm. at a later time. I would love to do a list like that of like games where themes trump mechanics. Yeah. Where you'll definitely make a worse move uh-huh. just to dunk on somebody else. Yep. Yeah. Okay. For sure. All right. Um... You want to start us off? You want me to start us off? How do you want to do this, my friend? Um, I'll start us off, and then you can... All right. You'll, that means you'll say the last yeah. one. Yeah, all right. I love it. Bring it home. I love it. All right. Hit me with it. What's um, your number three? So for number three, it uh, I'll say I've backed over 100 Kickstarters. Okay. And this was probably the first Kickstarter that disappointed me. Oh, gosh. I think I know what this one is. Uh, not in uh, like length of delivery time. I'm always fine with no matter how long it's going to be to take delivered. It's... More or less, when you back a Kickstarter, it's like yelling up to a teenager's room that supper's ready. Yes. It'll arrive at some point. You just don't know when. I mean, and I'm always, like, happy to see the updates and stuff where it's like, oh, here's a new piece of art. I know we're, like, two years late, but, you know, and I'm just like, yeah, you do that. Yeah. And everyone else in the comments section is always like, so you should be tied it. to a rock and have a eagle eat your intestines for the rest of eternity. I'm like. Seems a bit excessive. Yeah, it seems, it seems weird to get your cardboard cracked, but okay. <laughs> but uh, this game is Western Legends. Really? By Colossal Games. 
it oh, is God. if you don't know it it is uh sold as a sandbox game set in western times and i'm not a huge fan of westerns but what really got me is that you play real people from history okay so, so like, like you can play annie oakley and bat masterson and stuff and that's what i was like heck yes yeah i want to be bass reeves dude <laughs> I yes, I love, I love Bass Reeves. I just I, I thought that that was a cool concept. Uh, and then when I played it, I played it with Brent, which okay. is the two of us. And as soon as we played it, I packed it up and then just shoved it to his side of the table. I'm like, you take this home. I don't I don't want this here anymore. Wow. It uh, the the biggest problem, and it's not a failing of the game. It's for me is the idea that I can go around and do these things. I can play poker. I can uh, mine for gold. I can cattle rustle or whatever. But I might do that same action three times in a row and just like fail at it. And somebody else can come in and immediately be good at it. And I just, I wanted to see a mechanic maybe where you level up. Like, yeah. Hey, this is because you're earning reputation. Why am I not getting better at the thing that I'm supposed right, to have? Like a good even if, yeah. If I cattle rustle all the time, even if my rolls are terrible, I'm probably going to get better at cattle rustling yeah. at some point. And I understand design wise, they want you to have a sandbox thing where you're jumping around doing everything. So if you're getting better at one action, logically, you should just keep doing that action yeah, and it true. would take away from it. So I completely understand that this is not the game's fault. It's mine. And plenty of people do like it. Yeah. So. I was going to say, I, I was thinking you were going to do another Colossal Games Kickstarter because we tried Mezzo together. And good God, I think that game was so boring. Oh. I just, oh, God. I wanted the game to be so much better than it was. And it was just not very good. At yeah. all. Any any game that, like, I can't, that, like, makes me not want to play as a skyscraper-sized Aztec sky snake. <laughs> God, you have to try to make that suck for me. And it really did. So I thought that was going to be the one, but I haven't played Western Legends. So, mm. interesting. My number three is Carcassonne. Okay. I know. We're, we're going to yeah. just come out swinging. Because people love Carcassonne. Our our good friend Cole, that is his favorite game. It is. And um, I, I've played it with Cole. I think I've played Carcassonne more with Cole than I have with anybody else. And mm-hmm. Cole's like one of the few people I will play Carcassonne with. Mm-hmm. Like Nate, who is like my, we joke, is my adopted son, is always like, oh, you want to play Carcassonne? No. No, I do not. I do not want to play Carcassonne. And I don't know what it is. Because like thematically... It's a totally fine game. Mechanically, it's fine. Mm -hmm. Like, there's nothing wrong about it. I don't know if it's just because I can't wrap my head around it, where I'm just like, why do I, I, like, I don't, I don't care. Like, Mm -hmm. every time someone's like, oh, you could go, I'm like, I don't care. Like, (laughs) like, nothing about it makes me care. Like, it sounds like, I feel like I'm taking crazy pills. It just, I feel like I'm playing one of those pay-to-win mobile games every time (laughs) that I'm playing Carcassonne, where it's like, I honestly could give a crap less about any of these stupid tiles or your stupid monastery, your stupid tiny little French town (laughs) or your stupid, I don't care. Like I literally, like it's just such a big nothing burger of a game and it sucks because like there's so many expansions and there's so much playability and Colin, my brother loves it too. Mm -hmm. I'm like, Colin's like, oh my God, Carcassonne's great. I'm like, I could not care less about this game if I tried. It, It almost sounds like the game's offering you like, hey, you can go to Vegas or you can go skydiving and you're just like, Nah, I'm I'm good. I'm just gonna sit on my couch. Like, What's that... funny is I hated Vegas. <laughs> like, <laughs> so maybe that's it. Maybe it's just like I don't. And maybe that's the thing. Like, you can offer me all the things in the world. Like, it's like going to a buffet mm-hmm. for a type of food that you hate. Okay. All like, right. That's what I feel like. I'm every time I'm at Carcassonne. It's like all this great stuff. I'm like, great, but I don't like any of this. Stuff. <laughs> okay, that works. So maybe that's it. I don't know. But I just and I've tried Carcassonne at this point. I think like six or seven times. Still can't manage to get my head through it. 
Still I, can't wrap my head around it. I've only played it once, and I thought it was fine. There was nothing there that was bad to me, but... Maybe that's it, too, because Carcassonne has such a big reputation, and every time I play it, I'm just like, really? This is it? This is the big... This is the big tile lane game that you, like, all wrap your heads around? Like, Settlers of Catan I tried for the first time, like, I forget how many years ago after getting into the hobby, but I mm-hmm. tried it with people who were brand new to board games and I watched them sort of come alive in a strategic way that I didn't think was going to happen. And like in that moment, I think I understood why Catan was so huge mm. because it, it was such a big thing for these people who up until now have been like playing like crazy eights or whatever to be like, no, I'll, I'll kill you for your three iron ore. <laughs> like it was so weird to watch that trans like that transformation happened that i understood i think why it was so important carcassonne i'll never get it you know that that's interesting because i had the almost exact opposite experience of Catan for really because i played last on earth was my very first hobby game and okay. i loved it and then i went into a store and said hey what other games are there and he's like oh you should play Catan." i'm like all right i'll try this and yeah. i played that and went wow this this is what the game is. Why do I want to farm? I'm so bored. And it almost like there was a just moment where I'm like, do I want to keep playing games? Like that almost wow. that almost held me back from wow. the industry. That's wow. Yeah. I oh my first Catan experience was not great because we didn't realize there were ports. And so we played <laughs> okay. a three player game where no one wanted to trade with each other and there were no ports. Well maybe maybe it was like you guys <laughs> was, knew the ports were there, but you were just terrified of sea monsters. You're like, I'm not going no, there. I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not fighting those. <laughs> but yeah, that's my number three is Carcassonne. I just for the life of me, I just, I don't get it. I'll, I don't get it. I don't want to play it. I wish. So you're basically saying Cole should fight you. That's what I'm hearing. I mean, he's welcome to try. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'll just watch like a, just a shattered person. is just me standing on like a pile of like all of the Carcassonne expansions, like Conan. <laughs> What's your number two, man? I'm excited. I, I'm excited to find this out. Um, so I'm going to jump over to another list and say that my favorite video game of all time is Bioshock. Yes. I absolutely uh, love that game. Bioshock 1, 2, or Infinite? I like, um, I consider Bioshock, the original, and Infinite uh, very much like the Alien series, where the first one is very uh, dark and atmospheric, yes. and then the third one is more of an action-packed adventure bomb. Yes. So they're hard to like judge. They're hard, yeah, they're hard yeah. to judge. But they're both great games, though. I yes. own them both for that reason. They're two of my all-time favorites. So. Absolutely. And when I heard that there is a game based on Bioshock coming out from a company that I pretty much enjoy of Plat Hat Games, oh yeah, uh, I was there for Bioshock Infinite: Siege of Columbia, and it might be a good game. I'll never know because the rulebook didn't tell me. It's not that it's a bad written rulebook in the sense that like you can read it and it's interesting and you can get right through it. But I might as well have read To Kill a Mockingbird because it would have told me just the same amount of information on how to play that game as that rulebook did. So it's a bad rulebook then. Yes. That's that <laughs> sounds like an awful rulebook. Like it is. It's okay to have an edge case where you go and check the rulebook and go, ah, it's not in here. Yeah. But without exaggeration, it was six times during the game where a simple task of how is this resolved? Well, let me look. I don't know. It doesn't tell me. Like the rulebook should have just been ten pages of. Oh, just written over and over again. So, oh this, my God, this is the only one on this list that I would gladly give that another shot if there was some kind of errata, if some kind of thing where it was a well laid out rule book or somebody who knew the game completely and could answer stuff. Wow. Because I think there is a great game there. The theme stands out, but yeah. boy, it just, yeah, I have no idea. That's really it. disappointing because like I've seen that game on shelves before and I've seen it on tables. And its table presence is incredible. Oh, yeah. Like, it looks so awesome. 
Mm-hmm. Darn it, man. Now I'm never going to play that game. It, it was funny because the year it came out, a whole bunch of people were buying it because, you know, the Bioshock yeah, yeah, yeah. license is going to get you to sell a few. And then the very next year at Gen Con, they have a Gen Con store where you can put in stuff. Yes. And there was like over 25 copies oh of the game. God. Like everyone was just like, I don't want this anymore. How much were they going for? Because if it was like 10 bucks, 15 oh, yeah. bucks. Oh, yeah. You could get it for super cheap. Oh, it was basically just paying for the cardboard at that oh, point. Oh, my God, dude. See, at that point, at that point, I'll take the jump on it. I'll uh-huh. try. I'll try my best at it. Oh, man. Uh, my number two, uh, if you thought Carcassonne was going to make you mad, folks, uh, Dungeons and Dragons 5th edition. Don't like it. Don't like it even a little bit. Um, and wow. I know exactly why. So, 4th edition, there's a lot of flack about. Mm-hmm. Um, and rightfully so, right? 4th edition felt like taking all the things about D&D and trying to turn it into something it wasn't, which was a big tacticals miniatures game. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm not going to sit here and lie to you and say that 5th edition Dungeons and Dragons wasn't super super important and super super impactful it clearly was it's the best-selling mm-hmm. role-playing game of all time right oh, easily yeah. like by you could add up all of the other role-playing games like in the last five years and they probably still wouldn't have sold as much mm-hmm. as 5e right like the numbers for 5e are astronomically amazing and it's done a great job of getting a ton of people into the hobby mm-hmm. and i think that's why i hate it um, okay. I don't I don't hate it because it got a bunch of new people in. I think what I hate about it is it gives you the illusion of choice. What I love about Dungeons and Dragons, what I've always loved about role playing games in general has been self-expression. Mm-hmm. Um, the idea that I can take a concept, whether it's a story concept or a character concept or something cool that I just want to try or saw in a movie or do it, whatever, um, and bring it to the table makes me really happy. It's part of the reason that I loved 3.5 mm-hmm. and Pathfinder so much. There was so much customization and there were so many options and there was so much, if you put in the work, uh, you could make it happen. And that doesn't exist in 5e. Like, I think what ticks me off the most is it just felt like they were sort of sanding off all of the edges, all of the unique parts Mm. about it to appeal to as wide an audience as possible. Mm -hmm. And clearly it worked. But I think the problem is that it's really lost something like in itself mm-hmm. um now that i play it and it's so funny because i you know obviously i run 5e at the store yeah um and i have a lot of i you know i have a lot of great times you know dming as a 5e dm but like when i play other role-playing games with the people that i that i dm for mm-hmm. that aren't 5e they're like oh my god that was so much better than 5e why are we playing 5e and literally that's been the experience across the board like we're out like a bunch of my friends are now a bunch of my friends a bunch of the people i run the dm for are playing pathfinder campaigns they're like mm-hmm. why is this system so much better or like a bunch of people i used to play D with are now experimenting with one shot role like role playing games and storytelling games and they're like god why didn't we just do this from the start um it just i don't know like i played in a wonderful session uh that randy parks a good friend of the channel ran for my birthday and it was mm-hmm. awesome but it was like i cast scorching ray to set fire to the ship okay but scorching ray doesn't set fire to things what do you mean scorching ray doesn't set fire to things? <laughs> it's a literal ray of fire. What are you talking about? It doesn't set fire. And like, it's like a big sparkler basically. Yeah. Yeah. It's <laughs> like you, yeah. It's some bootleg fireworks you bought from the side of the road before 4th of July. <laughs> and then like that prompted me to kind of go look through the rule books. And it literally is like all of the, the little nuances. So unless you're a dungeon master who plays fast and loose with the rules and mm-hmm. I am, and I know Brenton is, I know you are too. Like you're, you're, God, it's like robbed of all of this experience and like the richness of Dungeons and Dragons, this depth of self-expression that I fell in love with for the game, like is I think completely and totally gone and devoid from 5e, um, which is a weird thing to say that like the most successful Dungeons and Dragons 
like ever is my least favorite. Like I actually think mm. I prefer fourth edition over five E at this point. And that's saying something because fourth edition is like, that's like blasphemy. I've just like committed Dungeons and Dragons heresy on this <laughs> podcast. So uh, I've get excommunicated. I've been playing RPGs for about eight years now. Um, but I'll admit I never played a single session of D and D I've only ever played Pathfinder. That's where I started. And that's yep. what I've, that's what I've been into. And it's, so a great, I, it's a great addition. It's more or less. I've played 3.5 D and I know. I understand yes. that much. Pathfinder is three point. Pathfinder is just <laughs> 3.52 electric boogaloo. <laughs> <laughs> it literally is. But there is a, um, uh, another podcast. Um, unfortunately, I do listen to other podcasts in here. It's all right. It's all right. It happens. Uh, called System Mastery, where generally they just look at a terrible RPG and just review it and stuff. But oh, every... that sounds amazing. Yeah. What's this called? System Mastery? Yeah. All right. Well, I'm listening to another podcast after this. Those okay. guys those guys are great. But every 25 episodes, they would do a special where they would do each edition of D&D. Okay. So they told me a lot about what, what was what was um, developing. I've heard the words Thacko and stuff of the early stuff. Oh, my God. Thacko. But when they covered 4th edition, I was assuming it's going to be awful, because that's all I knew, is that 4th edition sucked, and that's more or less why Pathfinder existed. Yes. And uh, one of my favorite stats is intelligence. I I really like building intelligence-based characters. And when I found out that the Warlord was a class that you could play, which is more or less an intelligence-based, like, tactician? Yes. I thought... Oh my god, that's amazing. I would switch over to that, and then 5th edition's like, get out of here, we're done with you. Well, I think the problem with 4th edition, we actually had this discussion, uh, not on the podcast, but a while ago, with me and a couple people that I, again, are big role players, is that I think the big issue was that people expected 4th edition to be Dungeons & Dragons, Mm -hmm. and it wasn't, right? 4th edition just said, hey, do you want to play World of Warcraft without a computer? Mm -hmm. Um, But 4th edition on its own is a really great miniatures based combat game Mm -hmm. like if you like things like gloomhaven in all honesty just having like if you manage to get a fourth edition monster manual just jamming two monsters of equal challenge rating against one another or like building out a team Uh would be amazing because Mm -hmm. combat wise the system totally works like if you had released fourth edition as its own separate entity right where if they had tried to revive the miniatures pre-painted skirmish game Mm. Which they did try to do with the fourth edition rule set, uh-huh. like you would have been totally fine. Like I genuinely think it was just because it was like, oh, we're Dungeons and Dragons, and it clearly wasn't that it got such a bad rap. But like, man, five E, I just I can't, I um, can't do it. Uh, a friend of mine, Aaron, uh, he's played with me. Uh, I introduced him to Pathfinder and stuff, so that's mm-hmm. where he came from. And he's played in games of five uh, E, and he said he hated it too because like. He would go, I think he said he wanted to do a shield bash or something. And then the DM was like, "Uh, there's no rules for that. And it's so weird to me to hear that you can't do that in an RPG. Like, you should be able to do anything Anything. in an RPG. Correct. That's the point of an RPG. And and that's, I think that's a great microcosm of it. Because I, not just like in DMs in this area, but like on the message boards, the things that I've listened to, I've heard that statement. Hmm. There's no rules for that. That's not in the rules. Your character's not spec that way. Like, more I, I don't and maybe this is just anecdotal but that seems like it happens more for fifth edition than any other edition i've heard of where it's like no you can't do that there's no rules you're not spec like that you don't have the skill like who that's, cares who gives a crap yeah, that's that's strange because there's like there's really small rpgs like everyone is john is great and stuff yeah. obviously they're not covering everything but you're still able to do whatever you want there i don't understand is it the dm's fault is that they're failing but i don't i don't think it is the dm's fault because this is something that i've seen and heard about now on message boards and stuff more so with this particular game than any of the other ones. Mm. Like, it seems like this is, there's something within that system that says, you know, if you're, you know, build your characters the right way or don't build them at all. 
and I, and I, okay. I feel like it's almost, and it, I don't know. I've heard it enough anecdotally at this point that it feels more of a failure of the system than a failure of the individual dungeon masters. Like there's something within the game space that encourages mm. that thinking, I think. But again, that's anecdotal evidence. I'm not sure if that's... Now... I'm not a Dungeons & Dragonsologist. We're going to go into Speculation Corner here for correct, a second. Correct, correct. I, I want to see... It, when they do 6th edition, do you think they're going to bring more rules in? Or do you think because of the success of 5th edition, they're like, we might as well just keep it light? My hope is that they'll do what they did in between 3 and 3.5. Because I played both of those editions, okay. right? Because I started playing 3rd edition manuals because it was the only thing available at the public library. And mm -hmm. I was like poor child and that's how we played <laughs> role-playing games was i would check out the dm's guide the monster manual the planner handbook there was no <laughs> player's handbook so we just had to make do with what we had um but like 3.3.0 just seemed like it was a, a good baseline and then 3.5 streamlined a few things and then added a ton okay so my hope is that they'll streamline and then add more and then sixth edition will just be really awesome mm. um my fear though is that they'll go the opposite direction again um, and because it's already simpler than it's, it's not as simple as fourth edition, but it's simpler than 3.5. My fear is that eventually we'll get to a point where it is almost fourth edition and there won't be the public outcry Okay. because it's already sort of dumb, not, not dumbed down. Cause that's a really offensive way of saying it. Cause it has gotten so many people into the hobby, but like it, it will be significantly gutted. I guess. Do you, do you think, I don't know if D&D has ever done this, but I know for Pathfinder, they put out a book called Pathfinder Unchained, which basically gave a whole bunch of optional rules. Do you think they would put out like an advanced D&D, not the old school one, but like, hey, here's fifth edition, but if you want more complex stuff, here it is. Nope. I think they'll put all that on D&D Beyond and it will go to the same place that everything in D&D Beyond does, which is just die because there's so much content available on D&D Beyond. It'll just be swept under the rug. I don't, I don't know. <laughs> I like your idea of the, there's too much here. Let's not choose. Let's, yeah, just, just... There is like, there's so much on D and D beyond and that's a good thing, but it's almost like you're spoiled for choice. Mm, I'm yeah. not saying D and D beyond is bad. That is not one of the things that I wanted to love, but didn't I love D and D beyond. I think it's great. <laughs> like that resource is awesome. Oh yeah. We used to bootleg stuff from like forums, <laughs> like back in the day, <laughs> like giant in the playground and stuff like that were forums that we used to like bootleg a bunch of character builds from like a while ago. But <laughs> all right. What's your last one, miles? I'm curious, my friend. All right, uh, this this number one, um, the the number three on my list was a failing of me. The number two was just a failing of the rule book. This number one is the game's fault. There's nobody but okay. the game to blame here. Uh, and you were you were seeing the future for a little bit. Yes, it's another Kickstarter by Colossal Games. Oh my God! It is Mezzo. Yes. Oh man. Um, for anyone who hasn't seen this game. The Kickstarter basically made it look, or at least to me, like a Mesoamerican version of Blood Rage. Yeah. It was like this area control yep. set in Mesoamerica. You had the gods there, the huge god minis and stuff. And I'm not one for, I, like, adventures are great and stuff, yeah. but they're not going to sell me on the yeah, game. I, I don't need them for a good game, yeah. But it looked great, and you actually got to play it with I me. I did. We, we played the one and only time that both of us have played it, unless yes. you've been sneaking games of Mezzo in for I, some reason. I think I wanted to play it a second time and just couldn't muster up the strength to. And it's it's strange, because everything's there. It's it's basically like you bought a car, and it does drive, but every time you change gears, the tires fall off, and when you turn the AC on, the back seat lights on fire. Like, <laughs> like it does technically function, but not well. I don't... <laughs> I don't know how to describe it. I think you actually put it really well when we played it because you're like, this feels like a good workshop game. Like if you sat down for a day and like worked on the rules, it might actually be great. 
And yeah. I, I'm like, yeah, that makes sense. It, it feels like a game you should give to like uh, kids in college who are studying game design. Like, hey, here's somewhat of a game. Make it good. Like that feels like the reason Mezzo should exist. I, yeah, I feel like we could just do an entire podcast, and maybe that's a maybe that's an episode for a different time of like a deep dive or like we'll call it game surgery where we just deep dive into like one game that and figure awesome. out all the ways that it doesn't work because like it is so oh my god Nezro is so, it's such a it, frustrating experience it's weird it's not broken no you can play it and it, it was fine it just there was something it just wasn't clicking i think the thing that made me hate it the most was i felt like no matter what i did none of my choices mattered I felt like I could make any move in that game mm. and it would achieve basically the same outcome as any other move that I made in that game. And I feel like everyone else's moves would achieve the same outcome as any one of my moves. Okay. And it just didn't matter. Like yep. I remember having that distinct feeling like who cares where I move my God? Who cares if I bring warriors or shamans into battle? Uh-huh. No, none of it matters. It doesn't like, and yes, there are going to be winners and losers. But and the, I think our point spread was like four points away. Like, Last place was four points away from second to last, who was four points away from second, who was four oh. points away from first. And I was like, of course it's that way. <laughs> because it's designed that none of these things matter. I I almost want to play a game where I have four, like, basically AIs, and every time I try to decide for them, I just roll a die. It would be a long thing, but I want to see at the very end what will have happened if, if, that, if that happened. It I, might... <sighs> Everyone would tie. It's a six-way tie or whatever. It's a six-way. <laughs> it's a six-way tie. And you're right, though. I think the presentation on Mezzo just sort of made that feeling worse, yeah. because it looks so. It's like the Quest for El Dorado movie did like a, just a ton of ketamine, and then just like <laughs> uh, hopped itself up on magic, and then just like turned into a board game. And I was like, I was so ready. Oh yeah. I was so ready. And none of the gods even played all that different. Like. Mm. Yeah, yeah there's they, just... they were thematically when you look at them, I'm like, oh, there's this giant snake, and then there's this undead lady or whatever. Those should clearly do a different thing. No, nope. oh, they don't. Oh, okay. You know what it is? Mezzo is like the first time I went to Del Taco when I lived in Los Angeles because everything looks colorful and bright and like <laughs> crunchy. And, like, it all ha- looks like it has these colors and textures and different whatever. And then you bite into it, and it's all the same flavor. <laughs> That's it. Yep. Me- Mezzo is the fast food taco of board games where I bought it. I, ah, yeah. Good I would, I, I think I would give it another shot if they put out a second edition and that was on the cover. It's the, it is the Del Taco of board games. <laughs> it's the Del Taco of board games. I'm like, all right, you're being honest. Yeah, I'll give you another yeah, shot. At least you're being honest. Give me the cardboard standees, make it 20 bucks and I'll give it, I'll give it a try. <laughs> at that point, it'd be worth it as a experimental thing. Yeah. I mean, and it's, some people do like it. Brent liked it when he played with us. I don't know why he did. <laughs> yeah, it's it's tough because I don't uh, when I'm at the shop, I don't want to lie to to people or anything. Yes. Uh, so like uh, we, we I recently sold Mezzo as our our copy as the consignment. Thing. Yeah, full Kickstarter bundle. I remember seeing it on sale. And uh, the person who bought it, uh, he was asking if it was good. I'm like, some people like it. I guess was the, the way I had to do it. I'm like, yeah. And uh, Brent was there to describe why he liked it, and it kind of made sense. He's like, well, all the other people, like, lost terribly or whatever is what he said. And it's like... No, we didn't. No. No, we didn't. Because Jeremy was part of that playthrough, too. Mm-hmm. And God love Jeremy. He is the most positive person imaginable. And even he was like, God, that game sucked. Like, I remember <laughs> he walked out and just, like, he's like, I hated that. He's like, I don't ever want to play that again. You know how hard it has to be? Like, for those of you who have met Jeremy, friend of the show, great friend of mine, is like... Just a big Wookiee made of sunshine. Like, he's just the nicest guy alive. 
And like, if for Jeremy has to hate your stuff, like you have had to screw up so badly, so 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 badly somewhere along the line. It's, I mean, it's like if I bought a game that when I opened the box lid, it was just a boxing glove came out and punched me in the face. Yeah. It might have been slightly better just because it was a quicker experience for me. Yes. That's. Yep. Yeah, mm. I think you're not wrong. And you guys sold it for you guys sold it for like forty bucks, didn't you, for the whole thing, or like yeah. sixty bucks for the whole thing, or something like it, that. It was it was cheap because I think it's like retails for seventy or eighty, and then it had the expansion as well. So I was it say, was definitely a deal. Yeah, but, I mean at that point it's worth it for the yeah. If that point it's worth it for the minis, man. Absolutely. You get like freaking two thousand of those things or whatever it was. You could use it for different games. You could use them for play three point five or Pathfinder. <laughs> But not fifth edition. Not fifth you won't, they no, won't, they won't no, have not, any rules. No, you not, can set your mini out there, but it won't have any rules at all. Not yeah, no, no fifth edition. <laughs> so uh, what's your number one here? My, what, what what do you absolutely you you saw on on the shelf and you're like that's the golden baby. It's gonna be amazing. And then you open it up and it vomited on you. Actually, my exact experience. Okay. So good. I traded for this game. Okay. So at shows, you when you you know you work at conventions in the you know before the plague. Um, you would trade board games, right? Mm-hmm. And because yeah. I work for Yellow Games, I've got access to a lot of good stuff. And mm-hmm. so we had people from AEG come over and they said, hey, do you want to trade? And when anyone, this is a spoiler alert. If you work at a convention, you see me and you do, do you want to trade board games? I will say yes. Do you? 100%. No, it doesn't matter what you're offering me. As long as I get to make at least two or three trades in a weekend, I'll do it every time. The, the question here, do you wear a trench coat and open it up with the board games you have for oh, trade? Oh God, I should. What are you buying? What are you <laughs> selling? Um, <laughs> Riley, I love you, but please be missing more often so I can do more shows with Miles. Um, no, so a guy from AEG came over and he's like, he's like, oh, can I get? I forget what you want. He like, everybody wants King of Tokyo. Mm-hmm. Um, he's like, oh, can I get King of Tokyo? Can I get King of Tokyo? I'm like, sure. Uh, what do you have to offer? And he goes, oh, we've got War Chest. Mm. And War Chest is, and I'll have to bust it out and show you after the show. War Chest presents itself as like this timeless classic of a game. Mm-hmm. It is a beautiful, almost wooden-looking box, and you open it up, and it, the it has a, like in the rule book, it presents itself. It has its own backstory. It's okay. like that this box is being presented to this young prince or princess on their coronation day okay. as a gift from a visiting dignitary, because it teaches them the value of tactics. And then you open up this board, and it's this beautiful Celtic knot-looking hexagon-based grid. And you play the entire game out with poker chips. They are the heavy, glossy poker mm-hmm. chips with these abstract runic symbols. And every runic symbol um, is there as an identifier for a different unit in the game. Okay? I, I love, so far, because I've seen War Chest, I'm aware of it, I've never played it, but... And I know you're gonna about to have a ch- turn oh. and have a dunk on it, but from your description of how you said like it's being passed down and stuff, I'm like, I want to play that now. Right? I can see. I that. was okay. so excited to try this game, and it's like a bag builder. So what mm-hmm. it is is you you draft the different types of units, mm-hmm. and you and your opponent square off, mm-hmm. and you're you're pulling coins out of this royal bag, and then those are what you use to activate it, and the game just blows. It is so fundamentally bad and like i will usually i am i tell this to everybody and it bugs the crap out of most people that i work with creatively where they're like oh give it another try i'm like no i don't <laughs> owe any property any amount of my time mm-hmm. right i will stop watching a series like supernatural is a great example how many seasons of super 14 16 who gives a crap oh. i stopped watching after season five 
I'm like, this is where the story ends for me. This Uh is the amount of my life that I feel comfortable giving to this property. (laughs) And I don't regret that decision at all. Uh Right. I've tried war chest. Now I want to say 12 times. I, cause I want it to work. I want it to be good because everything about it is so interesting and so phenomenal. And like when we get a show, I'm going to go to AEG and I'm going to make them demo that game for me because I feel like I'm doing something wrong. <laughs> and here's why. So uh, the system of actions is broken, mm-hmm. right? There are certain units in the game that break its action economy to the point where if you don't have them, the game doesn't function for you. Okay. Um, so you have to, in order to attack with a unit, you have to be able to discard a token that matches that unit symbol. Mm -hmm. So you have to have a unit on the board, and then you have to discard a token out of play, right? It will eventually get shuffled back into your bag in order to activate a unit, Mm -hmm. okay? That's the regular attack action. That is the action by which almost every unit in the game is governed, because attacking eliminates... A sim- eliminates a unit, eliminates one of the tokens completely. Mm-hmm. It will not go into the bag after it's been killed. Okay? okay. At least that's my understanding of the rules. Unless I have, I in my 12 readings of this stupid rule book, <laughs> okay, misunderstand it. The cavalry in that game mm-hmm. has the special ability, which says any, to- any token can be discarded. And almost all of them get to move and attack on okay. any token. Okay. Which means that you are always having resources to use your cavalry, mm-hmm. but not everybody else. So if you have cavalry, you're just going to get blitzed down completely. And like the game breaks down on a fundamental level. It's so it's freaking bad. It's unreal to me. Like it's, I've had, I, oh, I hate so it so much. So you said the cavalry is the best unit basically it because is. of that? Because it, because base, uh, a good way of thinking about it would be like, imagine a game where you have to roll dice. Okay, to mm-hmm. make anything work. Everything that you have requires a five or a six on a dice roll to work. Yeah. Okay? And imagine one player just has something. They don't have to roll dice. It just works for them every time. Mm. They get the maximum benefit okay. every turn for no effort. Do you think maybe this was just a, a conceptual thing by the designer that like he's like, man, I love Calvary. I'm going to do something where I can show people how awesome Calvary is. Like, suck your archers. I don't care. Listen, at that point, honestly, I'm okay with it. Because at <laughs> least it feels intentional. But with as intentional as everything else in that game feels, for like, and the Calvary is not the only, mm-hmm. like, offender of this. I feel there's like one or two, it was like one of the archer units does the same thing where they're just like, ah, discard anything. Kill one of your guys. It's a space away. And you're like, what but this is this is this is highway robbery what do you mean you just like but i tried to the the thing i constructed a plan and it's like (laughs) nope screw your plans screw your balance screw this game like i i hate it and they came out with an expansion for it i'm like does it fix the problem that the game is broken all right let me i think i have i'm gonna pitch you an idea of how to fix the game okay pity with it um why don't you take some cheetos and throw them in the bag so when you're pulling out items instead of getting a unit sometimes you get a cheeto and you're like well that's all right honestly i'd be okay with that okay because at least then i get some benefit for pulling things out of this bag there we go game surgery right there but i just i wanted it to work and it's i still have it like i can't bring myself to get rid of it like i'm calling so many games from my collection i still can't bring myself to get rid of it's like the white elephant of my board game like i just i can't (laughs) bring myself to get rid of it because it looks so beautiful it's such a great presentation so hats off to you aeg for making essentially a beautiful looking uh creme brulee and stuffing it full of dumpster juice because that's that's what that game is for me 
it, it's like you're dating war chest and you had dinner plans and stuff and then war chest stood you up and then at three o'clock in the morning it shows up at your door and you're just like i can't quit you and yes. you just come back to it every yep, time that's exactly it that's exactly war chest if war chest is jenny i am forrest gump <laughs> <laughs> that is that is entirely that is entirely accurate <laughs> oh my god uh, Miles, any other games that you want to mention that have sort of come to your mind during this discussion? Because I feel like now that we're now that we're talking about some of these, like, man, I repressed all my memories of Mezzo. <laughs> oh yeah, uh, the only other one I had on a um, that barely uh, almost made the list is um, Wasteland Express Delivery Service. What do you not like about Wasteland Express Delivery Service? Because I actually really enjoyed the game. Now, I didn't pay full price for it. I bought it for like twenty bucks used. I think well, is what I paid for it. Uh, first off, it was off-putting to me at the start because I it has the second worst art in any game I've what? ever seen. I despise that oh art. Oh my god, it's I hideous. love the art. I love how hideous it is. Uh, no. The, but the theme is certainly getting me because I love Mad Max Fury Road. So I'm like, this feels like it's going to be great. And I, I played it once and boy, I... I know when you're playing a game, you should play to your hardest and stuff, because if somebody, like, gives up and doesn't want to play, it's kind of, you know, yes. worsening the experience for everyone else. But uh, by the end, I was just, like, making circles around a nuclear pit for some reason. Just no reason. I, just, yeah. I wasn't doing anything. I think, for me, uh, one of the big offenders right off the bat is when you do something that's clearly, like, a mechanical way to balance a game, but the thematics don't match at all, is... Uh, even though I'm in this wasteland, I still want to be a good guy. But the idea is when you have uh, items that you're taking to a town and you yes. trade for them, you can't trade for that town with that town immediately. You have to go to a different town. Yes. Uh, yep. But thematically, it's because you shortchange them and you jip them. Oh, like, yeah. Well, well, I don't like that. I want yeah. to be a good guy, even right. though we're in this wasteland. I yeah. still want to be a friendly fella. And I just like, you, give me another reason because maybe like they're all up, you know, they're all full of supplies or yeah. what have you. And I, that was one thing like I didn't I didn't dig that and then it was just I just didn't like part after part and I, I'm I'm wondering it might have been the teach because the person who was teaching us didn't particularly know the game all uh, that well either oof. yeah that's so, that's a hard that's a hard sell but that's why I didn't put it on my top three because it might actually be a good game with that and some some just thematic tweaks you don't even have to tweak it mechanically but just thematically I didn't like it I think the one that I wanted to put on my list was Mansions of Madness. The uh, first or second edition? First edition. Okay. Because I played right. first edition. And we don't have to fight hated now. Hated it. Okay. Despised it. Because I'm like, this is the biggest, clunkiest piece of garbage. Mm -hmm. And it was the first big board game I'd ever bought. Because <laughs> we were... So my uncle made a ton of money back when we were younger. Mm -hmm. And we'd visit him once a year. And he literally handed me $100. We were both in a mall. My brother and I... And he handed us $100. Because we, like, we grew up with not a lot of money. So mm -hmm. he just handed us $100 each. And just goes, if you don't spend this $100... In the next two hours, by the time we leave this mall, I'm taking it back. And that was like his way of breaking the training. Because we would have been like, $100 goes right in our bank. Like, we just deposit the $100 and uh -huh. we sit on it. We get the interest. And he goes, no, no. You're going to have fun with this $100. You're going to shut up and like it. Cool. You sound like a, a swell fella. You as a kid, you were just investing in the stock market and stuff. Dude, I socked away so much money as a kid and then blew it all in grad school <laughs> on, board, on making my own board game and my own company. But like <laughs> – which wound up being a good investment. It worked out well. But like, yeah, I remember buying that game and then taking it home and then playing it and just despising my entire life and hating everything that I've ever done. I've, Always. I I've, hated it. I hated it so much. Have you given second edition a shot? I haven't. I 
Because it, I've only played second edition. I've heard all the horror stories of the first edition, not good horror stories, but you're, it's actually yeah. supposed to tell you. But the second edition was phenomenal. It ran really well. So I don't know what exactly it changed, but I know. Well, it... there was no app in first edition. Mm, okay. And somebody was the mansion. Okay. Yeah. So it was a one versus all as opposed to a fully cooperative experience. Uh-huh. And I don't know. I maybe I'll get to it at some point. I just don't like app assisted games. I tried the Lord of the Rings one mm-hmm. and the what is it? Legends of Middle Earth, Journeys of Middle Earth. Journeys of Middle Earth. Yeah. yeah and that one didn't really impress me. I wasn't like blown away. I'm like, wow, I have to play. Like, I don't really care. Mm. I'm like, it was fine. I remember think it was okay. For me, I'm fine with apps because they, they allow for hidden information because the creatures and stuff can be moving around without you knowing what's going on. Yeah. And I, I, I feel like that adds another element, especially if you're doing something like Mansions of Madness, which is supposed to have this spooky atmosphere. Yeah. I, I know one of the scenarios that you play, more or less, like, there's nothing really happening the whole time. You're moving around and you know this, like, spirit is out there and stuff. And you couldn't do oh, that no. without an app. But it just, like, it really gives you that tension. And I, and I think that's using it to its full effect yeah and see and that's the thing like maybe one day i will give mansions of madness second edition a try but right now like i've got so many games in my shelf of shame i think my experience on that was so bad mm-hmm. i won't go back to it but i just felt disingenuous to put it on the list having knowing that there was an edition that fixed most of my problems huh. and have just having not played it just felt felt wrong to put it on the list yeah right. that's fair well folks thank you all so much for joining us that brings us to the end of our list if you liked this kind of content please let us know um i loved doing this this was a blast any, anytime there's a list yeah, i love lists. yeah we gotta do that we gotta do this again best unmatched characters actually we, <laughs> we made a tier list on that which i have to change at some point i've i've dracula needs to go down on that tier list he's not that good uh but will any would of, you say he sucks you <laughs> yeah he's like a c tier character and he's bad as in he sees blood he eats it Skadooch. um <laughs> but no we gotta do one of these again this was that yeah i'm excited well what mm-hmm. you pick the topic next time Oh my. We'll force Riley along on his limited board game. <laughs> the power. The power. Um, before you go, though, however, mm-hmm. Miles, we end every single podcast, and you know this very well. Did um, we invest in stocks? Like we invest did? in stocks. Okay. Yes, we invest in stocks. Um, we also ask a weird question. We invest in a weird question. Okay. So, um, what Greek mythological figure, god mm-hmm. or beast, mm-hmm. would make the best uh, life partner, boyfriend or girlfriend? Life part. This yes, is, this is exciting. What what Greek mythological figure? So uh, you would think you would pick somebody with the like uh, what is it Adonis or one of the most beautiful yes. people out there. Yep. But uh, no, you know what? I'm I'm not much of a handyman. Um, so I'm gonna have to go for Daedalus. You know? Oh. Yeah, he can craft anything anything around the house if the sink breaks or what have you. He's on it. All right. He's gonna. I'm gonna look down there and it's gonna be a complex maze of stuff. Pipes going everywhere. But he's got. It'll work. Yeah. So It'll I, work. You know, if the car breaks, I don't. He doesn't know what a car is, but I'm sure he could figure it Daedalus out. Daedalus probably could. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. So yeah, I think it, that's that's it. I'm I'm gonna go with the classic boring answer. I think Persephone would be like just make the best girlfriend mm. because like if you read any of the Greek legends, like they love per- like Persephone just loves Hades, like just loves him a bunch, and like he loves her. Like it's like the most functional relationship in any mythology. Like, where the two of them just kind of co-parent and co-rule the underworld. Uh-huh. Uh, and she's also got, like, a little bit of a bad side to her, because, like, all of the original translations, she predates Hades as, like, a Mycenaean. <laughs> she predates Hades by, like, 1,500 years as, like, a Mycenaean deity, mm-hmm. where they called her Dread Persephone, because, like, apparently she used to be, like, both life and death. That's the duality of life and death. Uh-huh. So, like, 
really sweet girl with a mean streak. I mean, who's a good part? Like, I'm just I'm, likes pomegranates. I like pomegranates. There's some. There's something there. I was gonna say. I mean, cooking for her is gonna be a breeze. She only ate like two pomegranates in six six months or something. Yeah, and she's good. She's good then. Yeah. Do you think of my food bill? What do you want at McDonald's, honey? Small fry. <laughs> is that it? Is that it? I, she sat for three months for she, that. We're good. She's just nibbling. <laughs> we'll probably spend more feeding Cerberus than we will feeding. <laughs> Well, folks, thank you all so much for joining us. Uh, Miles, thank you for joining me in my basement, man, for recording this live. Like, it's cool to do a live podcast session again. Absolutely. Yeah, thank you for having me. It's It's been it's been exciting coming yeah, down. This is this is pretty cool. Uh, folks, please make sure that you uh, like us on YouTube. If you would like, so like to follow us on Facebook and Instagram, that'd be greatly appreciated. Uh, also, please keep in mind that our official role-playing game after the rain is coming out and coming to you next year so if you are excited about the idea of a unique role-playing game that plays around with the idea of memory and psychology uh, then you're going to want to stay tuned for all of those incredible details until next time i am kyle lott i am joined by my illustrious part-time co-host miles myers and we will see you all next time goodbye everybody okay round two name something that's not boring a laundry oh a book club Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.